going to exit in the back today and uh, meet now Kawasaki, our children's director back there. And uh, so I'll invite all the kids to make their way towards the back. Um, as they make their way out, I'll just say today is an exciting day because we have a couple baptisms today, which is always a, high, a highlight. Some of you uh, noticed I brought up my uh, baseball glove here this morning. We have any baseball fans? Uh, uh, baseball's a, a fun sport. And uh, Dawson plays on a baseball team. He came home and he told me this story the other day. I thought, there's no way this could be true. This is a true story. Uh, in 1987, uh, for the minor league team, the Williamsport Bills, who are the double-A team for the New York Mets, uh, had, a, had a backup catcher that got the start that day. His name was Dave Bresnahan. And Dave Bresnahan had ro uh, rode the bitch most games, and so he said his mind was always running. And it, he was kind of a prankster. He, he thought, you know what? Today I'm going to pull the ultimate hidden ball trick. Hidden ball trick is where you hide the ball and uh, the runner comes off the base and then you tag him out. And so he came up with the ingenious idea that he was going to use a potato as a decoy. He went to the grocery store. My potato here is a little too small, but he found a potato. He thought it looked like a baseball. He took it home. He peeled it so it was white. He even painted red stitching around the, ed, uh, around the baseball, and he hid it in his spare glove in the dugout. So sixth inning, here's his chance. There's a runner that makes it to third. So he gets down in his stance, and then he comes up, and he calls timeout. He says, oh, my, my glove's broken. I got to get my spare glove. He goes to the dugout, gets his spare glove that has the potato in it. He gets down in his stance and he hides the potato behind his knee. The pitch comes in, he catches it, and uh, he comes up throwing to third. Now, potatoes don't fly too well. In fact, I'll throw my uh, ball to Dawson. Uh, the, uh, and the potato goes out in the left field, which is exactly what he wants, it, uh, wants to happen. So the runner on third says, easy score. He begins to uh, run to home base, and Dave Bresnahan is there waiting to tag him out. Shows the ump the ball, and they look around. What in the world has happened? So the, so the umpire in the field goes out to left field and says, it's a potato. It's a potato. And he said, you can't bring a potato into the field. So they award, award the runner, the home base. Uh, Dave Bresnahan, uh, the next day, gets fined $50 and uh, is released from the team. But if you go to a Williamsport Bills game today, Dave Bresnahan's uh, number 59 is retired in center field, not because he became a great major leaguer, but because he pulled off the ultimate ball trick. Now, uh, as funny as and interesting as that may be, because I get a kick out of that story, uh, the hidden ball trick, if you allowed baseball players to do such a thing, uh, the game would be chaos, right? Uh, there, there has to be certain rules. For the game to be fun, there has to be certain rules that create guidelines and opportunities for players to really show off their abilities. And the ump and the coaches and the players have all agreed to these rules, and that's what makes the games fun and competitive. 
And just to let you know, none of those rules allow for baseballs on the, uh, allow for potatoes on the baseball field. I mean, that's just the rules of the game. And I share that baseball story because in a roundabout way, I think it illustrates an important insight into the relationship that God has with the world that we currently live in. Now, we live in a wild and crazy world. Uh, I think we would all say we look around and there's a lot of craziness around us. And people seem to be making up the rules as they go. Uh, people uh, don't operate by any sort of moral standard, but they, but they make their decisions based on what feels good or what uh, suits them in the moment. And a person's morality seems to just come by osmosis. Whatever is generally accepted in the culture around them, they simply absorb it. Now the problem with that is that God has created the world, created the uh, world that we live in, to be lived in a certain way. And God's ways are not subjective. They don't just go, fade in and out. There are rules. There are guidelines. And the good news is that these uh, guidelines are given to us through God's inspired word, the, the Holy Scriptures. His teaching and commandments are rules. And, and not to, they are not rules to rob us of good. Like, this is key for us to understand. These are, these are uh, rules to give us an environment to experience all of God's goodness. You know, just as I, we talk about a, a baseball game has certain rules so that, the, so that the game can be played in competitive and, in, and enjoyable ways, God has given us certain, uh, certain rules to give us an environment to experience His goodness and to experience the wonderful opportunities that He intends for us to have. And so when we take, the, when we, uh, take morality into our own hands and simply do what feels good in the moment, Eventually, chaos will ensue. And so to the challenge of today's sermon is a challenge for you to devote yourself to God and to His law. Coming to the conclusion that God's ways are best in, uh, God's way, God's ways and His rules are best for us. In fact, God's ways and His rules create freedom and opportunity and lead to righteousness and godliness, and ultimately to the most fulfilling and satisfying life possible. As I said at the end of today's sermon, we have two baptisms. Jacob Romero will come, and Susan Trong will come, and they'll share their testimonies about what God has done in their life and how they have devoted their uh, lives to the Lord. But even before we get to that moment, there is a challenge for each and every one of us here a challenge uh, in God's Word that asks us a specific question. Are you devoted to God and His ways? And so that's the challenge for us in our sermon today. Are you fully devoted to God and His ways? The challenge, uh, to accept that challenge, we come to an understanding that God's ways are best for us. We're in Nehemiah 10. Uh, we're journeying our way through Nehemiah uh, here on Sunday mornings, and this morning we're in Nehemiah 10, and we read of the Israelites making a clear commitment to God and His ways. Nehemiah 10, 28 and 29 is where we'll start. The rest of the people 
priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and their daughters who were able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and, and here's the key for today's sermon, and they bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to carefully obey the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our Lord. My hope is that as we study this, we will understand what does it mean to bind ourselves to the law of God. And may we find, uh, may we find a challenge there to, more, to devote our lives to God. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I, I thank you for today. It's a, it's a fun day. It's an exciting day to hear the testimonies of what you have done in uh, these two individuals' lives, but also to come before you and to be challenged by your word to understand that you have given us guidelines and regulations that are for our good so that we can enter into a life that is lived with you and for you enter into a life that has all of the blessings and the opportunities for you uh, that you intend for us to have. And how many people forsake those blessings and opportunities because they seek to live according to their own rules. God, I pray that as we look at your, your word this morning, that you would help us to devote ourselves to you and to your word so that we can enter into the life, live to the full, to the, uh, with all the abundance that Jesus came to bring. And so, God, speak through me, speak to the hearts of each person that is here, and open up your word to us that you might be our teacher today. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as I said here, the, the key part of the message is this idea that they bind themselves with a curse and an oath. Now, the word bind here means that they devoted themselves they dedicated themselves in the strongest way possible. Uh, now, when you think of how uh, we have binding relationships in, a, in our world today, first thing that comes to mind is a marriage. When you get up and uh, you exchange vows with a person, you're saying, I'm devoted to you for the rest of my life. It's a binding agreement that we are, that we are committed to this person. Another binding relationship, you may have a binding relationship with the bank when you sign mortgage papers. Believe me, they consider that a very serious binding relationship. What is being de uh, described here is the most, uh, whatever you think of as the most binding relationship that you can think of, this is what the Israelites are entering into. Maybe you think a handshake is a, a binding relationship. Maybe you say, my word is my bond. Whatever is the most binding, that is what we uh, have uh, pictured here in Nehemiah 10. They say they bind themselves with a curse. In other words, they're saying, if we don't obey God, may God's judgment be upon us. They're inviting that upon themselves. If they bind themselves with an oath. They say, we promise to obey God in all that he has. We promise with all our hearts. Now, what do they bind themselves to? Well, it specifically says that they bind themselves to the law of God as given through uh, the, God's servant Moses. 
Now, if you have any uh, background knowledge on the Old Testament books, you know that the first five books of the Bible are credited to Moses. So there, this is the Hebrew Scriptures at the time in which this was written. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And, it call, and they call this the law of God. And we say we'll obey all the laws as given uh, to, God, to us through uh, uh, God's servant Moses. Now, if you go back and read these books, you'll recognize that the first five books of the law, there are a lot of laws and a lot of commandments, but not all of it is actually law. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of instruction. There's a lot of examples. In fact, the Hebrew word that's used for law of God here is is one word. It's the word Torah. When I was in uh, seminary and uh, my Hebrew... uh, professor taught me very clearly, it really emphasized the best translation for Torah is not law of God, it's actually instructions of, of God, the instructions of God. These are God's guidelines of how we are to live in relationship with Him. They are instructions. Now, law can be a fine translation, but if we mistake law for simply meaning uh, rules to be obeyed, and, they, and rules in a negative sense, and we miss out on the marvelous and glorious aspects of the Torah. You see, these are instructions to guide the people into the best way possible for them to live. They're not commandments to hinder them from good things, but in a sense, they're a leash to put around themselves to keep them safe and to lead them into the blessings that God has for them. We have a little dog at home, a little fluffy white dog by the name of Blake. And uh, Blake, ever since he was a puppy, his favorite thing is to take a walk. And so I can be on one end of the house and bring out that little uh, metal leash with the metal chains that makes a clinking noise. And Blake is on the other end of the house and somehow he has got great dog hearing. He will come running as soon as you get that leash out. And he's jumping up and down and so excited because the best part of his day is when he gets to take a walk. When he gets to go out and to smell the flowers and to bark at another dog, to chase a lizard, to stretch his legs. Like the leash for him is a great thing because it's the opportunity for him to enjoy being a dog where he lays around the house the rest of the day. And so the leash is a blessing for him. When it comes to God's law in our lives, the leash is a blessing to us. In other words, it's going to keep us from those things that harm us. It's going to open up to us the opportunities to live all of the blessings that God has for us. When we think of God's commandments, things like, Do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not covet, honor your father and your mother, have no other gods before God. All of those are actually blessings for us because they lead us into a a godly life that is full of joy and full of peace. And so the Israelites devote themselves to the Torah, to the law of God, to the instructions of God. Verse 29 fleshes it out a little bit more. It says that they say that they will carefully obey God's Torah, God's instructions. Now the word carefully obey here communicates the idea that they're putting a hedge of protection around themselves. They're putting a 
hedge there. They're hedging themselves into God and his ways. Why? Because God's laws protect them and they, and they provide for them. Now, how many of you have a, a safe or a lockbox at home? Some of you have a, yeah, you have a safe. You have a, now, what kind of things do you put in the safe? You put the most valuable and precious things in the safe, right? You don't store your Q-tips or your Subway sandwich in the safe, right? You put your precious jewels, you put your uh, family heirlooms, you put your, your, your money, whatever it is, you put your most valuable and precious things in the lockbox. God's law is like that. God's law uh, uh, declared that we are, uh, we are putting ourselves into the protection of God, and God is saying, you're valuable and you're uh, precious to me. I'm going to protect you. And we are saying to God, God, you're valuable and, uh, and important to me, and so I want to put myself under your care because I want to grow in my relationship with you. So we readily accept, not out of an, a sense of obligation, but we, we readily put ourselves into the protection of God's law. Obedience, here's, here's, a, here's my summary statement. Obedience to the instruction of God is not to be viewed as burdensome, but as a response to the unique privilege of knowing God's will. Obedience to the Torah is not a way to salvation, but a grateful response of those who are already been saved. Obedience to God's word brings you into a closer relationship with God and into the mission of God in the world. And obedience to all of God's instructions and laws are reasonable, achievable, and desirable. And I hope that resonates with your heart. I hope that as you hear those things, you're like, yes, God's word is important to me. I'm going to submit, I'm going to devote myself to it, and it's, and it's for my good. This is what I desire. And so the Israelites, with a clear understanding of God's instructions, they d- uh, dedicate themselves to obey God. And then as we look down through Nehemiah 10, there are three things that they devote themselves to as outlined in God's Word. And I'll state these three things. I'll, I'll reword them in a first-person plural because this is where I think the application for us today is. First, we must devote ourselves to honor God in our homes. That's first and foremost, that each of you in your homes, with your husband or with your wife or with your kids or, or with your uh, parents or whoever it is, in your family to devote your lives to God. Verse 30, it goes on to say, We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or to take our daughters or to take uh, their daughters for our sons. In other words, they're saying their homes, their families are going to be devoted to the Lord. The people around them didn't have that devotion to God, and they're saying we're going to keep our families sacred, devoted to the Lord. And so my question for you this morning is, are you honoring God in your home? Home is the first, and fo- uh, first place that we ought to live out our faith. But I'll admit that in the home, it's not easy. You come home and you, you want to kick your feet up and 
uh, let your guard down and be yourself, and I hope you feel very comfortable at home. But how easy is it to be more quick-tempered with your kids or to be uh, mean with your spouse or to be impatient? In fact, Satan would love to come into uh, people's families and divide them and, and stir up ungodliness in the home. And how often have we seen that? It's not easy to devote our uh, homes to the Lord, but it's what we need today. In fact, we must make up our minds like the Israelites did. They say with, an, uh, with a curse and an oath in the strongest way possible. We devote our lives to the Lord. And they're saying we're going to devote our homes to the Lord. And I hope that you take that seriously as well. Because if you're not intentional, if we don't make up a clear understanding like, I'm going to do it, it will not happen. It's too easy for uh, sinfulness to sneak into our homes and, and disrupt our relationship with God. Because we all have experienced that. I've experienced that. It's hard. It's hard being a parent. It's hard being a spouse. And so my challenge to you is to make God's word a priority, to make prayer a priority. When you gather around the dinner table at night, read the scriptures. Pray together with your spouse. Make church a priority because there are so many distractions that pull the family away from church today. And so I challenge you to intentionally devote your family to the Lord so that you may promote God's love and patience and kindness and generosity in the home. And it's hard, and the Israelites bound themselves, and so should we. And then secondly, we ought to devote ourselves to honor God in the world around us. To honor God in the world around us. Verse 31 says, When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any, uh, any holy day. Every seventh year we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. And so when I read those verses, I just, I'll, I'll admit, we have to back up and say, what in the world, how does this apply to our lives? Because we don't practice the Sabbath as they were. If we did, we'd be meeting on, on Saturday and not today. And uh, none of us, I don't think any of us are farmers, and so we're not letting our land go every seventh year. How do we apply this verse to our lives? Well, Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, preached this passage in this way. He said that this verse, is, this verse is not so much don't work on the Sabbath as it is don't lose your distinction in society. That's what I think they're doing here. They're saying when the peoples come to us, we're going to be distinct. We're going to look differently. We're going to sell our goods in a different way. We're going we're to farm our land in a different way. And so that's my challenge to each of us today. In whatever context we're in, in our neighborhoods, at our work, in, uh, in our community groups, in society as a, heart, as a whole, don't lose your distinction. Don't be afraid to st uh, step out and to stand up for the Lord. God needs uh, Christians today that say, I'm devoted to the Lord. I'm going to do what's right even when the majority of people don't. Even when there is ugly and nastiness in the world around me, I'm going to stand up for the, for the Lord. So they devote themselves to God, to honor God in their homes, in the world around them, and then finally they devote themselves to honor God uh, we ought to devote ourselves to honor God with our worship. And that is basically the rest of chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. 
they talk about how they're going to honor God with their worship. But I'll just read the last part of verse 39. As they say in summary, we will not neglect the house of our God. To devote yourself to worship and to the people of God, to the church, to the house of God today, is a radical idea. Because there are many people who have not made that commitment, that strong devotion. In fact, the trend is to become less and less connected to the church. And it's a tragedy because people are missing out, as we said, on the blessings of God. They're missing out on when our relationship grows with God, when we, when we worship Him. There is joy and blessing when we worship the Lord and when we grow in our relationship with Him. And so they say we will not neglect the house of God, of our God. And it reminds me of what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And many people are in the habit of doing that today. And so my challenge to you today is make up your mind. Devote yourself in the strongest way possible to say, I'm going to make uh, church and the worship of God priority for me and my family. And as you do, uh, you'll experience the blessings of God. So these are the three devotions that they give themselves to, to their home, to the world around them, and to their worship. And that's our challenge for us today. Would you devote your home to the Lord? Would you devote your, the world, your, your uh, walk with God and the world around you to the Lord? Would you devote your worship to the Lord? When Jesus was 30 years old, uh, he had just been baptized, and then he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. And uh, he was walking along the seashore one day. And uh, as he's walking along the seashore, uh, he noticed two men uh, early in the morning that were bringing their boats in from having fished all night. And, uh, and as he uh, saw these t- uh, two men, he called out to them and he said, uh, Hey, you guys, why don't you put your boat in a little deeper? Now, these were professional fishermen. These were men that had given their whole lives to fishing. And you can sense, uh, you, can get, you can get a picture of the frustration that came across their face. We know uh, one of them is Peter. He's called Simon early on in his life, and, his, and he's with his brother Andrew. And, uh, and Peter yells out, uh, we've been fishing all night. I don't think we want to do that. You can, sa- you can sense he's, uh, he's tired out. Maybe there's a little bit of frustration. But for whatever reason, he whispers to his brother Andrew, Let's just give it a try. You know, I know we're ready to be done for the day, but let's just put out into the deep and see what happens. And so they go out a little deeper and they drop their nets. And, and you may be able to guess what happens. They catch a, such a load of fish that they can't get the nets up. I mean, the nets are just full of fish. In fact, they fill the whole boat. And, uh, and they are amazed at the catch. Now, the point of the story is not that Jesus is a better fisherman than uh, Simon and Andrew, because they've been doing it their whole lives. Jesus was trained as a carpenter. He hasn't even really begun his, er- uh, his earthly ministry. The whole point of the story is that Jesus offers a different and a better way of doing things. And as soon as Simon gets to the uh, shore, he gets down on his knees and he recognizes that there's something different about this man. In fact, he says, I'm a, I'm a sinful man. 
uh, uh, go away from me. But Jesus does the exact opposite. Rather than uh, going away from Simon and Andrew, he invites them to come closer to him. He's, he invites them to follow him. In fact, he says, I'm going to call you to a whole different way of life. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I believe that Jesus is here uh, today and he's calling you to a different and a better way to live your life. In fact, you may be here this morning and you may feel like Simon and Andrew and you're tired out, you're, you've been at it for a long time and you're just, you're just like, whatever, I'm just going through the motions and I'm going to just get through one day at a time. And Jesus is calling you to go out a little bit deeper and to give him a try. In fact, you may be here this morning and you're like, you know what, maybe I will give him a try. Maybe I'll invite him to come into my life and I'll try to live according to the commands and the teachings that he has given, given me and, and see if that leads to a greater love and joy and peace in my life. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've been following God for a long time and one of these devotions sticks with you. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to push out a little bit deeper. I've been following God, but I'm going to push out a little bit deeper and I'm going to devote my family to the Lord. Or I'm going to devote my workplace to the Lord or my community. Or I'm going to devote myself to the, to the church and the worship of God a little bit more. Here's my challenge for each of us today. No matter where we are at, Let's just give God a try. Let's put out, push out a little bit deeper and to recognize that God gives us his ways, his laws, his instructions for our good. They're a leash around us not to keep us from his blessing, but to actually invite us into his blessing. Jesus is offering a call on the seashore saying, hey, come on, come follow me. He's offering us a different and new way to live life. And I'll just say, uh, from my perspective, and I know that there are many that would raise their hand this morning and say, yes, that's my perspective too. Jesus' way is a different and a better way to live our lives. Because Jesus has created us to live according to his plan. Give him a try. Receive him in and see if he might lead your home and your life and your heart into all that he has for you. In fact, I guarantee you he will. I'm going to invite Susan and Jacob to uh, come forward now. In fact, as they do come forward, I'll invite Pastor Darren to come and uh, give them their certificate of baptism and, uh, and a gift from the church. So uh, as they come, let's uh, welcome Jacob and Susan. So this is a, certi a certificate of baptism and a gift from the church. So first of all, congratulations, Susan. Congratulations, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob and Susan were actually scheduled to be baptized uh, before the pandemic hit. In fact, I think it was the second week we had 
had to not meet in the sanctuary and uh, that we were scheduled to have baptism. So this has been a while in coming. But you know what? God's ways are always perfect. And I'm excited for Jacob and Susan to share uh, what God has done in their life because even in the last year, God's done an amazing work. And so they've devoted their lives to the Lord. I'll, in, uh, I'll invite you guys to go to the mic. In fact, Jacob, why don't you go first? Because uh, Jacob's not looking for you can uh, Jacob's not looking forward to this, so let's 